morning to everyone out there in cyberspace, wherever you might be. Welcome to Cross Point Church. Um, even though we're disappointed that we couldn't meet together as brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, we're grateful that uh, because of all the technology and the electronics that we're able to come together for a moment. And I have to tell you, this is really a strange feeling. Um, other than Joel and Becca on the worship team and three people in our soundboard, the church is completely empty. And it just feels different. I actually thought somebody, even one or two people, I thought might show up for church this morning who didn't get the memo that we weren't meeting. But I'm glad that you're here, wherever here is. I know there's people here, there, and everywhere out there watching, and so we're grateful for that. And while we tend to look at this situation with uh, anxiety and frustration, I'm sure that the Apostle Paul would have rejoiced if he had had the technology that would allow him to minister to multiple people in multiple places at the same time. Fifty-five years ago, a young songwriter named Bob Dylan, who grew up in Duluth, Minnesota, it was 55 or 56 years ago that he wrote the words to this song, The Times They Are Changing. And so uh, I just want to read, I don't want to sing, because that would cause everybody out there in cyberspace to turn off your uh, television or your laptop and stop listening. But I want to read the words to the first three verses of that song, The Times They Are Changing. It says, Come gather round people wherever you roam, and admit that the waters around you have grown, and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. For the times, they are a-changing. Come, senators, congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway, don't block up the hall. For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled. There's a battle outside and it's raging. It'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls. For the times, they are a-changing. Come, mothers and fathers throughout the land, and don't criticize what you can't understand. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. Your old road is rapidly aging. Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand. For the times, they are a-changing. When Bob Dylan wrote that song in 1964, America was headed to war in a faraway place called Vietnam. Today, the times are still changing, but the war we're fighting is not on the other side of the world. And it's not even an enemy that we can see. The war we're in today is not just here in America, it's all around the world. It's here. And it's there, and it's everywhere, and it's invisible, and it's called the coronavirus. As of yesterday morning, and those of you who are following the news, and I suspect most of you are, as of yesterday morning, 300,000 people, 300,000 people from all around the world have had or currently have the virus. Of those 300,000, 
105 have already recovered. 180,000 are being treated, and 15,000 have died. It's estimated that that number will double every week until we get this disease under control. That means that a week from now, instead of 15,000 people being dead, 30,000 more will die next week. And the week after that, 60,000 people will die because the number will continue to double every week until we get it under control. This is serious. This coronavirus is not something to laugh at. It's not something to make fun of. We find ourselves in a serious situation. And every one of us needs to do our part in helping to stop the spread of this ugly virus. President Trump, Governor Noam, and Sioux Falls Mayor Tenhaken have all issued rules that we need to obey. We need to obey these rules in order for us to keep the virus from spreading. And one of those rules, like it or not, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't like it, but one of those rules is that no groups larger than 10 people are allowed to gather together at any one place. No group larger than 10 people are allowed to gather together in any one place. Which means there is no more corporate worship until that virus is contained or until these guidelines are changed. Now, some people will choose to ignore the rules. There's always people that have chosen to ignore the rules. It's incredible that some people will actually actively choose to ignore the rules, and they may or may not get the virus, and they may or may not cause the virus to pass from one person to another without even knowing it, but as God's people, we are, so, we are supposed to pray for our leaders, and we are supposed to submit to those people in authority. The Apostle Paul, if you'd like to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 13, the Apostle Paul has some good instructions on what it means for us as God's people to obey the government that God has placed in our, in our country. Romans 13, the first two verses say this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Now let's go back. Let's go back in time. Let's go back to 2016, four years ago. There was a presidential election. And I don't care if you voted for Hillary Clinton or if you voted for Donald Trump. I honestly do not care. That's your choice. We live in a free country and we have the choice to who we want to vote for. But once someone is elected, as God's people, it's our responsibility to submit wholeheartedly to their leadership. We don't only submit to people who we voted for. 
as God's people, we are supposed to submit to whoever God places in authority over us. In one of my study Bibles, I have this, I have a number of Bibles, as you can imagine, and, and so do you. But in one of my study Bibles, right next to this passage from Romans 13, verses 1 and 2, is this little note. It says, Christians have a distinct rationale for an appropriate submission to the governing authorities. And that rationale is this. The recognition that God himself is the source of government in society. Proverbs 8, verse 15. Let me give you a couple of verses from the Old Testament. Proverbs 8, 15. Let's remind ourselves how these governments come into place. Proverbs 8, 15 says, By me, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. And then if you turn a little farther back in the Old Testament to the book of Daniel, chapter 2, let me read verses 20 and 21. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Rebelling against the authorities that God has placed in these positions is rebellion against God. Would we rather be together this morning in corporate worship? Well, of course, that's a no-brainer. We would much rather be together. But it's our responsibility to submit to our government leaders. I'd like you to travel back with me a number of years. I want you to go back with me to the year is 1987. I was hunting mule deer with some friends in northwest Wyoming, just a few miles east of Yellowstone National Park. As we were making our way that morning to where we were going to hunt for the next four or five or six days, we were probably five miles east of where our campground was going to be, and we began to notice signs along the highway. There was a sign, if I can go back and remember this, there was probably the same sign every quarter of a mile for five miles. And so the first time you notice a sign, it really gets your attention. But then when you see the sign, every 15 seconds, you see another sign. And the sign said something like this. You are now entering grizzly territory. Now that right there caught my attention. You are now entering grizzly territory. Be careful. Be aware. And be safe. Now, this group of friends that I have, we have hunted together for 15 or 20 times. And many times we hunted together in the Bighorn Mountains of Wyoming. But we had never previously hunted just outside of Yellowstone. We set up camp. The next morning it was time to begin hunting. And I suppose it was an hour or two after we began hunting. And I had worked my way up with two other friends of mine. And we would gotten to the top of this big hill. And I remember looking to the left, and my friend was gone, and I looked to the right, and he was gone, and I have no idea. I didn't see those guys again for the whole day, but I kept going till I got to the top of that hill. And just as I was approaching what I thought was the top of the hill, I ran into a grizzly bear. And I can tell you that I have never been so scared in all my life. 
He was right there. Oh, 25 or 30 yards in front of me. And as you can imagine, I had every thought that I could imagine went through my mind like light flashes. To this day, I've never been so scared as I was running into that grizzly bear. Now, I'm convinced this morning that the same mornings that are given to us relating how we're supposed to deal with grizzly bears that live in the forest, those same warnings are great advice for how we need to deal with this coronavirus. We need to be careful. We need to be aware. And we need to be safe. And yet, because God is, and always has been, and always will be in absolute control, we do not need to fear. We need to be careful. We need to be aware. We need to be safe. But we do not need to fear. Psalms 115 verse 3 said, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. And then a familiar passage, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Chronicles 29. Where verses 11 to 12 say this, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. As followers of Jesus, as those of us who profess faith in Jesus Christ, we should be the ones who demonstrate what it means to live in a time like this. We should be the ones who tangibly demonstrate ways to the world that is watching that because of our faith in Jesus, we will not live lives of fear. We, we should be examples to the world around us that because of our faith in God, of course we will be cautious of the virus, but we will not be in fear. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be, we need to be kind, and we need to be graceful, and we need to be courteous the people who have different opinions. But because we are filled with the strength and peace of Christ, we should be the best citizens on the planet. As Christians, we need to model to the world what kindness toward those who are most susceptible to this virus actually looks like. We need to be sensitive to people who are elderly and to people who are sick. We need to do our best to show compassion and to care for all who are suffering while we continue to model the strength and hope that we have because of our faith in Jesus. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, it said, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's in times like this, and especially in times like this, the world needs fearless and calm people who, 
because of our faith and strength in Jesus, can be a comforting example to those around us. Now, it's been said that 90% of the things we worry about never happen, and the other 10% are outside of our control, and we understand that worrying, worrying is of no help whatsoever. Corey Tenboom, who while living in a Nazi regime once said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows, it empties today of its strength. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 41.10, fear not, boy those are great words, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is promising that he will care for his people. And then I'd like you to take your Bibles and go all the way back to the front of the Bible, to the book of Joshua. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, book number six. And I'm going to read nine verses. It only takes a minute or two, but let me read the first nine verses of Joshua which I believe these verses can still speak to us today. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Then God says this, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And then in verse 6, God does something. He says this three times. The first time is in verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. Only in verse 7. Be strong, and this time he says, and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And by the way, that verse success in the Hebrew word there in verse 8 has absolutely nothing to do with finances. It's, called, it's about spiritual success. But then in verse 9 he says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now let's just understand the situation here. In Joshua chapter 1, Moses is now dead. And Joshua, this young guy, is about to lead the nation of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land it would be natural for him to be afraid. What an incredible responsibility. And so on three different times, God says in verse 6 and in verse 7 
And again in verse 9, God says the same thing. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Friends, we need to understand that the same God who was with Joshua is the same God who is with us today. It's not two different gods. It's the same God. And his words to Joshua are God's words to us today. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yes, we need to be careful. We need to be aware and we need to be safe as we do all we can do to stop this virus from spreading. But we do not need to be afraid. Worrying and fear will not change anything. God is in control. The Apostle Paul calls on us to respond with prayer and faith. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Bob Dylan was right. He was right in 1964, and the words of that song are still true today. The times, they are changing. We are in a different situation than anyone in this world has ever been in before. But God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is, and He always has been, in complete control. Our prayer should be, and this is the prayer that Sharon and I have prayed multiple times the last couple weeks, our prayer should be that because of this virus, which God has allowed, this is no surprise to God. He knew this was coming. Our prayer should be that, that people would recognize that there is a God who's in absolute control. And, and maybe this wake-up call for most people will be a reminder to them that there is a God who loves them. And he wants to have a relationship with them. This might be the thing that God uses to draw those people to himself. And that's what Sharon and I have prayed multiple times these past weeks. That people would be drawn closer to God because of this disaster. If we go back in history, and we can go back a long ways, it seems to me that it is and it, it always has been God's people are the ones who set the pace. God's people are the ones who were the first ones to bring help to our neighbors, to go where no one else will go, to help people who are dying and sick and incredible experiences. Even during times of widespread disease and epidemics, now is not the time to be afraid. Now is the time to be careful, to be aware, and to be safe as we show the world what it means to have faith and confidence in the one true God who is in absolute control. Now I want to close with this verse and then we'll spend some time praying. Psalm 56.3 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. There's seven billion people in the world today and most of us are fearful of this disease. We're fearful of what could happen. We're fearful that this virus 
could attack one of our friends or family members or neighbors or co-workers. And so, we need to respect this disease, but we need to remind ourselves that God is and always has been in absolute control. We need to stay strong. We need to keep loving Jesus. We need to help our neighbors. And we need to pray. We need to keep praying for President Trump and for Governor Noam and for Mayor Tenhaken, Tenhaken, that they and all the other governors and mayors across this country and around the world will make wise decisions for the people who live here. We need to pray for God's welfare for the sick and the elderly. We need to pray for our co-workers. We need to pray for God's protection for our extended families, for parents, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandchildren, aunts and uncles, nieces and nephews. We need to pray for God's people all over the world who today on Sunday, the Lord's Day, are scattered because we can't come together for corporate worship. We need to pray for the safety of healthcare workers who are there in the front lines treating people who have this disease. We need to pray that they would be safe and make wise choices. So as we close this morning, let me lead us in a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we remind ourselves again from those eight or ten verses that you are a God of love. You're a God who cares for his people. You're a God who does not want us to be fearful, but rather wants us to keep our faith strong in you. And so, Lord, even though all of us have different levels of anxiety over this coronavirus, I ask that you would calm our hearts, help us to continue making wise choices. And we do pray, Lord. We pray for President Trump and for Governor Noam and for Mayor Tenhaken. We ask that you would give them wisdom beyond whatever they've imagined. Lord, help them to make the right choices for the people they serve. And then we ask that same prayer for world leaders all over the world, that they would make choices, wise choices, that will impact the people in their countries. Lord, give them wisdom and insight and help them to get people around them who can make good choices. Lord, we commit ourselves into your care. We are helpless. We are helpless people. We can do nothing. We need your help and we need your intervention. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for our co-workers that you keep them safe. We pray for people in our families who are sick and elderly. We pray for next-door neighbors who are sick and elderly. Help us, Lord, to have the boldness and the compassion in our hearts to help them in some way, whether it means bringing a bag of groceries or delivering a bag of groceries or just calling them on the phone and letting them know we care for them and asking if there's anything we can do. God, give us insight and ideas on how we can help the people around us. We pray for our extended family, Lord, for parents and brothers and sisters and children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles and cousins. And Lord, we ask, and, and it's almost selfishly, we always ask for our own people first. But Lord, once we're done praying for them, help us to pray for the people around us. Help us to pray for people who don't have anybody praying for them. Help us to pray for people who do not have a relationship with you. Help us to be tangible testimonies of your love to the world around us. We pray for 
God, we pray for your people today who are scattered all, all over the place and because there is no such thing as corporate worship today. Help us to be respectful of the people who oversee those choices. Help us not to badmouth them. Help us to accept their leadership, whether we voted for them or not. Lord, we believe that you're in control and you place these people in leadership over us. I think of all the people from Cross Point Church who would do anything they could do to be here this morning. But it's just not possible. And for all our brothers and sisters across Sioux Falls, across South Dakota, across the country and around the world, Lord, these are difficult days, and you know it. And I ask that you would reveal yourself to us in special ways. Maybe for some people, it's just sort of a wake-up call that we need to pause from the busyness of fruitless living and pay attention to you and who you are. So, Lord, thank you for allowing us to gather together from who knows who's out there in cyberspace. Lord, we just pray that the, the words of this message would fall on good soil and bear good fruit. And so we close with this blessing from the book of Jude. Not to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen, and thank you for listening. God bless you.